Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. I am Reverend Steve and I will be serving as your worship associate this morning. Once again, we gather as an inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you come from, we welcome you. Whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a house where you can bring your whole self. This morning, we offer an especially warm welcome to our guest preacher. <laughs> especially warm. <laughs> that was not an intentional <laughs> and, and While we're on the topic. <laughs> Someone asked me a few minutes ago during your interview, did they tell you about the sanctuary in July? And I said, yes, uh, and it's a good thing we don't believe in hell in the next life because we're getting enough of it now. <laughs> so once again, I want to extend a gracious welcome to our guest preacher, Joe Donatone, and our guest accompanist, Marge Adler, assisted by our very own Ed Kaner. And once again, welcome. We are Unitarian Universalists. We light a flame within a chalice. It's a symbol of sanctuary and safety. It unites us in our time together. It reminds us of life's beauty and wonder, and it's a sign for our ongoing search of the light of truth that's found within us and among us. And I invite Meredith to come up and light our chalice. These are the words of Reverend Lori Laban. We light our chalice flame for those who lived their lives in closets of shame, for those who furtively visited the bars where no one knew your name, for the Stonewall riot and the fierce trans women who fought, for the plague which still takes far too many too young too soon. So many gone. So many who never lived to see out gay kids singing on TV, out gay people serving in the military, marriage equality, families formed by intention. We light our chalice flame for all of these and for all our siblings of the rainbow surviving, living life out in the open with pride.
last month. In my sermon on Pride Sunday, I told you the story of my encounter with a woman in a store and how the gay agenda came up. She says, I keep hearing about the gay agenda. Madam, have you seen a copy of it? Well, no. How do you know it, it exists? Well, people keep saying, and I replied, I happen to know the gay agenda inside and out, so I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about it. It's the exact same agenda we have as Unitarian Universalists, to create a more just, more inclusive, more loving world where every human life is seen as precious and sacred. Will you be part of it? That's the real gay agenda. Love is calling us to our best selves, selves ready to answer that call to do the work of making the world more just, more loving, more hospitable for every human being. Work that brings us together this day in this house of memory and hope. In that spirit, these are the words of Reverend Marilyn Sewell. Come into the circle of love and justice. Come into this community where we can dream and believe in those dreams. Come into this holy space where we remember who we are and how we want to live. Come now and let us worship together. We are the free church. We are each free to discover ultimate truth, to journey as we will on a lifetime discovery of that truth. But in the absence of dogma, doctrine, or creed, something must hold us together. That something is covenant, the promises we make and remake to one another for how we will be together, who we will be together, and how we share the journey. Ministry is how we serve one another in the world. Each week during our service, we briefly highlight a ministry committee or activity that is part of our congregation's life and work. This morning's ministry moment, I'd like to highlight our congregation's ministry executive team, the MET. The MET devotes the majority of its attention to the day-to-day -day management and administration of the church's ministries. The MET consists of your minister, treasurer, congregational administrator, and a past board moderator. We meet monthly, and among our tasks is to work with the finance committee to draft a yearly budget, craft policy and carry out policies established by the board, collaborate with the five ministry coordinators, buildings and grounds, personnel, social justice and community connections, interfaith and community connections, and volunteer ministries. The MET also monitors and evaluates communication processes, monitors and evaluates program areas which are community within, income generation, lifespan learning and spiritual development, social justice and community outreach, UU interfaith and community connections, and worship and music. The MET's primary task is to support the mission, vision, and covenant of our congregation and to provide professional leadership. This, too, is the work of our church. Each week as we gather, we take time to reflect on the mystery that is life, to share joys and sorrows, and to hold one another in our hearts. In the spirit of love and care for one another, our candle of memory this morning is for Cheryl Casper, who died peacefully at 4 o'clock. Let's take a moment of silence to honor her memory and hold her family in our hearts. Our first reading is entitled, The Inherent Wholeness of Every Being. It's by the Reverend Erica Hewitt. We, who are Unitarian Universalists, not only affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person, 
We also infirm, affirm the inherent wholeness of every being, despite apparent brokenness. No one reading these words is a stranger to pain or the knowledge that things break or break down. Promises, friendship, sobriety, hope, communication. This breaking happens because our human hearts and our very institutions are frail and imperfect. We make mistakes. Life is messy. Brokenness happens. We're intimately acquainted with brokenness then, even as we believe that no matter how fractured we are or once were, we can make whole people of ourselves. We are whole at our core because of the great, unnameable, sometimes inconceivable love in which we live. As you use, we believe that paying attention to something is an act of love. Witnessing and naming brokenness is how we begin to heal it. Some sorrows demand to be named out loud. My sister died. My body is fragile. I'm scared that I won't be able to pay rent this month. The streets in my city are filled with violence. Healing begins when we examine what's in pain, wonder how it occurred, and allow it to teach us. In fact, sometimes the brokenness is immense, and the only grasp, the only power we have over that large and complicated pain looming over us is to bear witness, to tell its story, and to seek out companions and helpers who are willing to agree that yes, there is something breaking or messy in front of us, and we will not leave or even look away until repair has begun. If love begins with attention, repair takes the form of compassion, bearing witness, speaking out. Repair looks like connection, justice, or even revolution. It looks like after-school tutoring programs, community meals, and holding signs in front of City Hall. And it begins by placing full trust and faith that there is inherent wholeness in every broken situation. The second reading comes from the Christian scriptures from 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, we should love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has become God's child, and so everyone who loves knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So we also must love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us. If we love each other, God's love has reached its goal. It is made perfect in us. God is love. Everyone who lives in love lives in God, and God lives in them. Where God's love is, there is no fear, because God's perfect love takes away fear. We love because God first loved us. If we say we love God but hate any of our brothers or sisters in God's family, we are liars. If we don't love someone we have seen, how then can we love God? We have never seen God. God gave us this commandment. If we love God, we must also love each other. Good morning. Um, as I'm sure you already know, I'm visiting from Florida, and I brought all this heat with me just for y'all. I promise I will take it right back with me. 
<laughs> yeah. So my name is Joe Donato, and I'm a UU seminarian, and it is my deep, deep honor to serve you today. My beliefs were challenged in the early morning hours of June 12, 2016. I was confronted by the most horrific mass murder in U.S. history. Sadly, this record only held for about a year. The event shook me. It broke my heart and it challenged my deepest understanding of love. At approximately 2 a.m., a single gunman opened fire on the patrons of Pulse Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. The gunman killed 49 people and wounded over 50 more. The queer community in Orlando was immediately thrown into a state of fear, and that fear rippled far beyond the borders of our city. My friend DC lives in central Louisiana, and she remembers it as follows, quote, we were a community in fear following Pulse, yet we still met, mourned, and held vigils. A college student in a small town near where I live organized a vigil. He was in a town where he was actually fearful that violence would happen as they flew rainbow flags and read the names of the victims aloud. The grief and fear were present, but the love outweighed it all. The beauty, she writes, is in the love. The beauty is in the love. When I originally wrote this sermon, I had been asked to speak on beauty, and I have never been one to approach any assignment directly without tripping over some wrinkle that my brain throws in my path, and my mind went to this unlikely place for inspiration. The anniversary of Pulse was approaching, and I wandered back to those days following the tragedy. And like DC, I saw beauty among that chaos. And on the surface, beauty is not so challenging a concept. It's here in the room, in the wood grain, in the pews, in the podium, in the light as it filters through the cream windows in the back, the face of the person sitting next to you. We encounter beauty a thousand times a day. The beauty I want to share is a complicated beauty. The beauty I want to talk about is a beauty that endures the beauty that refuses to be diminished and silenced by tragedy. I have seen that beauty, that beauty that shines through trauma, that beauty that transcends pain. It is a beauty sustained by love. Now I would argue that this challenging beauty is sustained by the type of love we heard in one of our readings today. The Apostle John writes about this love in his letter to the early Christian church. He wrote, we love because God first loved us. If we love God but hate any of our brothers and sisters in his family, we are liars. If we don't love someone we have seen, how can we love God? We've never seen him. God gave us this commandment. If we love, we must love each other as brothers and sisters. In this passage, John is challenging those early Christians to love universally as the divine loves us without exception. And it's wonderful to love an ideal. 
It's wonderful to love those moments where our world and the people in it line up with our idea of perfection. And John represents this idea of perfection as God. If we are able to love God, an idea, a mystery, unseen and unseeable, but we can't find that same love for the people right here, right now in our lives, then that interpretation of love is false. It is a lie. So if we love a vision of the world as it ought to be, but not as the world really is, we are liars. And liars as in we're not being truthful to ourselves and we are imagining a false idea of a perfect world, one that does not respect reality. So when I suggest that John asks us to love without exception, I mean that we should love hopefully and we should meet each other with love right here and now. We carry in our hearts the idea of a perfect divine love and we should reflect that love towards each other without exception. And this may sound familiar to some of you. Our early ancestors, the Universalists, found this message of love and they lifted it up high. For them, God loved the world completely and without exception. They were certain that this universal love was our ticket into heaven. Our job here on earth, keep reflecting that love. Become beacons of that love, no less. A love placed within us by the divine and a love that grows more perfect as we lean into it. The name for this type of love for one's community is agape. This love is the building block of community, and for me, this love is beautiful. As a city, Orlando has been processing our collective grief for three years now. And many of us are to the point where we can explore our feelings deeply and engage in the work that we need to engage in to heal. And this is a collective work. It is the co-creation of meaning, and that is hard. It is a work that relies on this idea of agape, agape love. And yet, processing work done or not, the complexity of the pulse tragedy still overwhelms me. To quote another friend, my friend Sue Ellen, I think, says it best, and she says, quote, I went to the healing concert a week later at the Dr. Phillips Center for the Performing Arts. It was the most beautiful concert I have ever attended. From the long and winding lines outside to laying bare our purses at security points to filling the auditorium to the brim with young and old and all genders and light and dark, it was all beautiful. Sitting in the darkness, breathing in, breathing out. It was all about feeling this terrible tragedy body to body, sensing the loss through the music with our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our heads and shedding our collective tears for those whom we knew or didn't know or would never know. That was tragedy in its most beautiful form. Sue Ellen found beauty in the memorial service and she found that beauty in her present reality among her siblings. That beauty came from an expression of agape. 
I found beauty in another place. I found beauty in the volunteer hub at the LGBT center. Made beautiful by agape. Made beautiful by the selfless expression of love for the community. A room stacked to the ceiling with donated cases of water became a thing of beauty. Cars rolled up heavy with more and more cases destined for the volunteers coordinating mourners and vigils out in the Florida sun. This was June in Florida. The real field temperature was well over 100 degrees and people were flooding out into our community to coordinate vigils to coordinate opportunities for people to mourn, to open space to express this unexpressible grief. We donated a lot of water to those people because it was the least we could do. In another corner of the center, the, of the center a massage therapist was giving chair massages for free. And volunteers who had been presenting a brave face all day freely wept into the face rest of that massage chair. As the days of recovery drew on and on, hundreds of people arrived to offer help. A dear friend of mine saw how grief touched every single member of our community, every single helper from out of town who showed up. She printed up small red business cards to inspire and embolden the hearts of the volunteers. And these cards simply read, you matter. These were and still are expressions of love like the love John is talking about in the scripture. These are moments when we set aside our superficial differences and acknowledge the worth and dignity of every person. When the divine in me honors the divine in you. When we reflect God's love for creation. When we allow love to spill out of us in a common, tender lament for the very soul of our community the unconditional love for our siblings in all our struggles and imperfections. The love that God inspires within us that we might simply find comfort together as a community that grieves. That agape, you matter. That is beautiful. And it's unfortunate that sometimes it takes a tragedy for community to find this love. And I mean not to diminish the significance of the 49 victims of the Pulse tragedy. They didn't die simply to awaken love in the city of Orlando. The city found this love and these moments of beauty despite the tragic circumstances. This was beauty we found in the reality, in the shared experiences. It was not the beauty found in a love for the ideal world. In an ideal world, this wouldn't have happened. And this is what I mean when I suggested that today we might have a complicated kind of love and a complicated kind of beauty. This is a beauty that finds its way through pain and suffering. 
And these moments of beauty, these moments of community love are beautiful because they are a glimmer of God. They are beautiful because they are a glimmer of the goodness we seek and cannot always find in our difficult lives. This beauty, like all forms of love, serves to remind us why we are here and why every moment of our life matters. It is the beauty that reminds us that you matter. And it's easy for me to stand up here with the benefit of three years of processing and look back to find the brighter and rosier aspects of Pulse to share with you. But in a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, it would not be fair to joy wash the tragedy. It was ugly. It was painful. It was a queer hate crime. It was a hate crime against the Orlando Latinx community. It was sweat and grit and tired feet and tired souls. It was weeping until there were no tears left and bodies that didn't care that that well of tears was empty and still heaved and shuddered with grief anyway. It became a gruesome pantomime of sobbing. And I saw this most often in the families, 49 families, who were trying to make sense of the loss of their young and vibrant children. Their aunties and uncles who were just a day or a week or a month ago, so full of joy and life. The ugliness was the white supremacists and gun nuts trying to capitalize on a narrative filled with Islamophobia. And it was my minister giving interview after interview, beseeching the community to turn against these lesser demons of fear-induced hate until her voice grew hoarse and gave out for a week. My friend Sam says it like this, then pulse. It shattered our collective communities in ways we still don't fully understand. When picking up the pieces, many realize that we have more in common than we thought, that maybe the world isn't full of liars, that maybe we were lied to, that it takes a horrific tragedy to break us completely down to reveal our true nature towards one another, love. That community isn't just because we live near each other, it's in our hearts, in our shared trauma from pulse. The light shines brightest at night because it needs contrast to be seen and appreciated. So only in our darkest hour, when confronted with the question, do you hate your brother, did people defiantly stand and say what they believed all along? No, we love them. So what does this mean for us today, three years and nearly a thousand miles away from the Pulse tragedy? As lovers of love and seekers of beauty, what meaning can we derive out of this utterly ugly moment in LGBT and Latinx history? For me, it reminds me that many things in life are far from my ideals. There will be trying times ahead and there will be more ugly moments. 
Fred Rogers, that Mr. Rogers, suggested that when we encounter these moments of tragedy that we look for the helpers. Amidst the incomprehensible, he suggests that we find the one thing we can readily recognize, the beautiful moments of people working from love and giving of themselves to aid their fellow humans. But I suggest that we are challenged with an additional duty. We are not a people content with turning our attention only inward. We know a love that we happily share with the world. It can be a tough job, but we must reflect that love outward into the world. We must become beacons of that love. We cannot simply look for the helpers. We must be the helpers. A good many UU churches borrow a covenant written by James Vila Blake in 1894 for his congregation, the Unitarian Church of Evanston, Illinois. And their covenant is, love is the spirit of this church and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. If my talk today speaks to your heart and you are called to be a helper, to be of service, these early Unitarian ideas might be a good fit. Let us try to live into these time-tested values and let us try to make the world a more beautiful place with our love. And now we will enter into a time of reflection. Now these are words adapted from Laurelyn Bellamy. If here you have found the courage and the strength to be yourself, offer others the opportunity to be themselves as well. If you believe in the inherent worth and dignity of every person, work for justice and peace and safety for those who are LGBTQ. If here you have found freedom and hope, take it out there into the world. If you have found comfort, go and share that with others. If you have dreamed dreams, help one another that our shared dreams will be real. If you have known the love that transcends our understanding, share that love with the world and let it guide you toward the beloved community. And now blessed by our time together and allied with the larger love that holds all of us in its embrace, may we go forth in hope and in faith to continue inspiring love seeking justice, and growing in community. May it be so. Blessed be, and amen.